With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. Uh, Mike, uh, did you win anything in the Super Bowl yesterday? No. That's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the game, you know? Yeah, no, it's part of the true. game. It's true. It's true. Uh, this is why I don't bet. Um, so uh, I don't want anybody con- to consult their calendars. Uh, we are back uh, a week earlier than we normally would be, but we have an extra special reason. Uh, we have an extra special guest. He is formerly of Newsday. He is now with The Athletic. Uh, it's very weird to say that he's formerly of Newsday, but he's going to talk to us uh, about his uh, new spot, and we're going to talk to him about the Islanders, and he's our friend Arthur Staple. Art, thanks for joining us. Good to be here, Dan. It's weird to hear you say that, but uh, but also exciting. So uh, I'm glad you guys uh, made a special time just for me. We always we always will, and it is exciting, and uh, I can't wait to hear about all that you have uh, planned for us at The Athletic, but uh, let's talk about the Islanders first. Um I'm probably going to do this a couple of times, but uh, I want to get into some some quotes because I feel like this is kind of it's the Islanders are in a weird spot right now. So they lost last night to Nashville in overtime. They had the game. Adam Pellick essentially had the game on his stick with two minutes to go uh, and couldn't clear the puck out of the zone. Led to a long shift in the Nashville zone. Ryan Johansson tied it. They had a very exciting overtime. Matt Barzell could have had like eight goals in that overtime. They lost. Um 
And the night before, or Saturday, they had beaten uh, Columbus, which was great because the first, the two games before that were just awful, terrible losses to Florida and the Leafs, respectively. So there's a lot going on, but then you get quotes like um, Anders Lee and John Tavares and Doug Waite talking about how they need to limit their shots against, and how Lee is like talking about how they're hanging their goalies out to dry, and uh, you know Waite is talking about having to cut things down. Um, so. My question, I guess, to start is, if they know that this is a problem, why do games like these keep happening where they give up 35, 40, 50 shots a game? I, I, I don't see, I, there's a disconnect there, and I, I want to kind of get to where it's at. I think, first off, my new job would not be at The Athletic, but somewhere higher up the food chain if I could figure <laughs> out the answer to this. Uh, and really just, you know, I, I kind of look back at some Islander teams of the recent past that I've covered whether it was the epidemic of uh, giving up goals on the first shot of the game, which I believe was a 2011-12 special, um, or blowing late leads, which they did in the first 20 games yes, last year, or, give, well, or yes. <laughs> giving up points. You know, I, I think there's just it, it's uh, it's the it's the mentality of a not so good team to keep doing the same thing and kind of, you know, while doing the same thing, say to themselves, we can't keep doing this. I think, you know, after um, the game in Colum the game against Columbus on Saturday, when they had had a very hard practice and a very hard video session, according to Doug Waite, mm -hmm. and heard some hard truths about how much they stunk uh, against Florida and in Toronto, they went out and had a much worse period than any of the six right. that they played in those two, where they gave <laughs> yeah. up 26 Columbus, shots on goal. Right. I want to know what a hard, what's a hard video yeah. session look like, you know? Uh, probably like, uh, I don't know, the adventures of Ford Fairlane. Yeah, I, was gonna say, uh, I would imagine Superman, something along yeah. those lines. <laughs> yeah, that was that, like might be, that might be too old a reference for some of your listeners, but that's the worst thing I can think of right then. Yeah, kid, kids, um, ask your parents about Andrew Dice Clay and the adventures of Ford Fairlane. <laughs> but yeah, they, they gave up a, a Columbus Blue Jackets record, 26 shots in that first right. period. It's right, got, it's got to be a record of, of lot for lots of teams. And so, as Doug said after that, he just sat with his head in his hands in the coach's room while Greg Cronin yelled at the team just for some variety. So I, I, I get the sense. I guess that, that makes sense because Cronin is definitely the uh, kind of scariest of the bunch looking at the is, bunch. Yeah. He, he looks is. like there's, he could. Uh, he's got a couple. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing soft and endearing about Greg Cronin. <laughs> so um, I just I, I think it's it's and it's you know, you can say, you know, I know Doug seemed to get a little uh, a little touchy about the injury thing, but obviously. Yeah. They've got a lot of fairly inexperienced guys on defense, even ones that have been prospects for a long time, haven't played a lot of NHL games, and certainly not in the roles that they've been put in. And you've got guys like Sebastian Ajo, who's never played in the NHL before and looks like it a lot of the times. And, you know, that combined with forwards that don't always seem very committed to doing what they need to do aggressively in the neutral zone and in their own end, and... Goaltending, which has certainly been better than it's been uh, at the beginning of the year when they were actually playing well. And so it all adds up to a very fragile mentality of when they start giving up shots and not being in the right position and, and not blocking shots. Everyone says, here we go again. And I think they just they just kind of, you know, I, I, I feel like the Charlie Brown sad walking music starts playing <laughs> in the background of every, in the back of everybody's mind. And that's. You just kind of continue on, and maybe you can pull yourself out of it, or maybe Matthew Barzal can pull them out of it with yeah. some more of his magic. And if he doesn't do it, then they lose. And it's just, 
it's yeah. mind-boggling to see them this far in still giving up that many shots and that many goals. Right. Well, that was the other thing I was going to say too. Was like we're fifty some odd games into the season now, and uh, yeah, you know they, they've got guys that are hurt, and you know that pushes other guys into the lineup. But you know, I I, I just my thing with the Islanders is, and I almost hate to say this because it seems so like reductionist and kind of stupid but when i watch games that they play they have problems that other teams don't <laughs> and so like you know you'll put on like an nbc sn game and it's like you know caps penguins or you know blackhawks and wild or something like that and it's like this does not look like the game that i'm watching on msg go uh where that they can't clear the puck out of their zone uh, i hate to, i hate to keep harping on that but it's, it still bothers me um you know they, they've got um they, they give up a million shots on goal they have forwards that are like flying the zone a half hour before they even have the puck and we're 50 games into the season so like what what else can they do i mean what happens if they if this kind of thing keeps happening do they have to just rotate who who yells at them in between periods like i don't <laughs> <That's> care <right. laughs> i think i might get a turn next yeah, right? so i'm preparing yeah. i'm preparing my speech that would be a great um, uh opportunity for john ledecky to get like a contest going like coming yeah, yeah definitely definitely <laughs> i would I, I would uh i would be interested to see that one yeah. <laughs> um i think the uh the uh the main issue as far as that stuff goes and reminding them and, and showing them video and all that stuff is, you know, I, I think the offense that, that came so easily at the beginning of the year really seduced a lot of, certainly a lot of the top six guys who are not normally poor defensive players. Uh, uh, you know, Josh Bailey is, you know, kind of his bread and butter for nine years before this or eight years was really being a good two-way guy. Andrew Ladd is a good positional two-way guy, even if he doesn't score a whole lot. <laughs> But then you, you just see some of these breakdowns. I mean, Ladd, you know, yes, the other night, Pellick has to get that puck higher off the wall or send it up the middle when he sees Fiala pinned right. to the boards after they win the faceoff. But, and even six on five, just seeing the three forwards out at the um, top of the umbrella, mm-hmm. just kind of standing there and waiting for something to happen instead of like, there's an empty net at the other end. If you're aggressive and put your, your legs in front of a shot, in front of one of Subban's shots, and because they, they took like three shots and got it back right away. Right. And I just feel like at the beginning of that shift, you had the TV timeout. You're out there. You can afford to be a little bit aggressive mm. and and try to break up a play and get it out of the zone or ice it or shoot it towards the empty net because you've got time. And uh, I know they didn't they didn't have a timeout left because they lost the goalie interference challenge. But yeah. I just f- watch that. And I see that the, the passivity in their own end. And I think that comes from a little bit of worrying about where the guy next to you is going to be, if he's going to be in the right position and, and just fear of messing something up, which usually leads to messing something up. Yeah. So, and I, I, you know, I, w- I, I wish I could be more specific and like diagram something a little bit and just <laughs> say like, this is the obvious answer, but right. there's so many answers to this problem that it's hard to come up with just one. Yeah. I guess yeah, I'll oh, go ahead, Mike. I, I was also going to say, I, I feel like, um, Without Dahan, and and I know I'm making ex- an injury excuse, and we're not supposed to be doing that by by edict from from Coach Wait. Yeah. But uh, they they've lost. You know they they don't really they have outside of Letty a guy who can make a, a a good first pass out of the zone and a smart one. I, I mean Mayfield and Pellick I think are pretty limited in what they are as defensemen. I think they're almost kind of clones of each other, and 
was kind of part of the problem with the the contracts they got. But uh, without DeHaan, and I think that even even guys who are who are able to kind of skate the puck out of a pressure, I think Ryan Pollock is is kind of that, turning into that guy's, and he can he can handle the puck well. But to have Pel- Pelic and, and Mayfield like kind of pinned deep, you know, for half a game is isn't good. And I think part of the problem is that these forwards know. If the only way that these guys are getting the puck out is 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 basically chipping it high off the off the boards, and we need to be ready to get it get to where that puck is and beat an icing call or something. And I think it's it's kind of turned them their play into a mess uh, in their own zone, especially from the from the dots in. I was gonna say I get flashbacks from Capuano era, like the late Capuano era, when I see guys standing around like you were talking about art. Like that that's my thing is that there's always a guy planted in front of the net even if the play is happening 25 feet from him. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really where you're supposed to be at. So yeah. And what, what, what were you going to say? Like, it's just, it's a, like you said, there's all kinds of problems and it's hard to pin down one specific reason, you know? Yeah. And and the defense being as, you know, I disagree a little bit with Mike about Pelic. I think he's been fine. He's been asked to do a lot more than he, I think is, is capable of right now. Um, but I think as a, as like the fourth guy on a, on a top four, he's, he's okay. You know, there's, that's not the main area of concern. I think the hardest part of all, at least lately, since, since Dahan went down and since Boychuk went down with whatever the mystery unique injury that he has is, uh, is, is Letty. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a guy who everyone around the Islanders hoped would be, the, you know, the guy to take the step forward and be that dominant top pair guy like he was for whatever it was, six, six weeks or so when he, everything that came off his stick went in the net, um, either by him or by somebody else. And, uh, you know, that gives you a lot of confidence and he's skating freely. And I think, you know, you just watch him turn pucks over, which he doesn't normally do. And really defending odd man rushes has been difficult to watch. Mm. You know, when it's two on one with him, he seems to make the wrong decision almost all of the time. <laughs> yeah, he made he made a bad one yesterday. I mean, that really? was also that was also uh, Aho yeah, needs Aho, a, yeah. needs to put a stick on the ice. But <laughs> but if you're Nick Letty, you're supposed to make the young guys better. Right? They're not and supposed was, to drag. They're not supposed that, to drag you down. That play was weird in in the way that that the the two on one by the Predators was poorly executed. I don't even remember who was carrying the puck, but he went to the corner. He's basically at the red line. So at that point, you're like, all right, it's like a ninety percent chance that this pass. Sh- won't get through because of just where this guy is and both of them did the exact opposite of what they were supposed to do i i I don't know if i've ever seen a two-on-one get played so poorly by both ends and and end up in (laughs) in the net still end up in the net that's the end result of whatever happens to the islanders is that it's going to end up in the net but yeah it's uh just their defense you know a couple scouts who come to the islander games regularly just just you know i i try to ask people around in the league how do they give up this many shots and chances all the time? And I, they both said, among other things, that the first pass when they get the puck in the defensive zone seems really panicky and bad when things are starting to go bad. And I think that's that goes back to the the fragile mentality that once once you start getting shelled, uh, you get a little jittery and try to do something that you shouldn't normally do, whether it's a, a bad short pass or go high off the glass and it's not high enough or just just a poor decision and in general i think it's all added up to bad stuff yeah and i thought i thought that just just going back to that like i thought aho i i love the way he 
he looks on the ice, I guess, is the best way to put it, because he, he reminds me of, of, our, of our man Lubo Viznowski, just in, <laughs> in the way he kind of glides around. He's short and compact. And um, I don't want to say, like, I'm, I'm disappointed with how he how he's played. I think he's just maybe been a little overwhelmed. And I think, like you were saying, he's, he's probably being asked to do too much just with the way the Islanders, you know, have what the, the roster they have to ice every night. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and we've, we, we kind of always go into that. Oh, play. You got to give the kids a chance mode. You got to give the ch- kids a chance mode. And then this is a case where, hmm. you know, it's, it's not really working out. And the only other option is to throw Dennis Seidenberg to the Wolves. And, and, and that is, is oh, God. no fun either. I, I was trying to no. get out of here without no. mentioning Seidenberg, but now you've wrong. Now you got it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only guy who seems to have any confidence coming out of the zone is uh is Matthew Barzell <laughs> and I guess Anthony Beauvillier who's really seems like he's feeling it right now um but you know that that leads me to one of my next questions which was you know inside the locker room I mean yeah I guess that you know you've talked about the fragile mentality but like like what kind of team do these guys think they are like we've already discussed how they they know that they're giving up too many shots which I guess is you know uh I guess uh accepting it as part of the you know the first step in the in fixing the problem but like what kind of team do you think they think they are or what they want to be? Because I feel like, you know, it's nice that Greg Cronin can yell at them and they can play better. But like, I think at some point, like one of them might have to say something and be like, look, we can't keep doing this to ourselves. We're going to just tanking our season basically. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, and, and like I said, I've covered this team for a long time and I think, uh, this is the, you know, we've seen it happen before, um, you know, through the stops and starts of the, the shortened season to the, to the, you know, the kind of meltdown disaster, whatever you want to call it in 13, 14, and then going from 14, 15 and 15, 16 and kind of the slow decline. Uh, you do wonder what the, the in room team leadership is like and whether there's enough fire in there. And, you know, NHL coaches, are not they don't invade the room and peel the paint off the walls all the time it sounds like doug does it a lot more than yeah than i was gonna say most and uh and and it gets and it you know they're pros it gets old really fast and yeah. and you can see the way that columbus has stumbled around after having such a good year last year you do have to wonder if john tortorella is you know wearing it out a bit because he is always you know, very direct and very harsh. And, and that's just, he's an old school guy and that's what they needed to pick themselves up. But now that they pick themselves up, you, you just, it just, it always has an expiration date. All, all coaches do, but that in particular, because you're dealing with a different kind of pro player now. So, um, and the byproduct of bringing in good guys as the Islanders and Garth Snow has always said, you know, high character people to rebuild this team and make it more fan friendly and make people, you know, just having guys that are all buying in after having a lot of years or some some weird characters. Uh, I think the byproduct is you don't have enough of the sandpaper type of guys all the time. I think Cal Clutterbuck is is one, and there's a reason that he wears the A's because he can get under not only some opponent's skin but under his own teammate's skin <laughs> at the right time. Um, but I think other than that, it's a pretty quiet group, and it's it's something you know. Many years ago, I discussed with guys like Franz Nielsen who. Uh, always, you know, spoke as if, um, you know, after a loss, he looked like the boat capsized and he lost many men. He just had that like downtrodden glazed look in his eyes. And that's why he was great to talk to after losses because he w- he didn't sugarcoat it. Mark Streit was the same way, but these are not, 
guys who, you know, they were guys who were listened to and didn't speak very much because that when they did speak, obviously people paid attention. I think, um, you know, you've got a, a captain in John Tavares, and I'm sure we'll get to talk about him some more, who is, whose focus on himself and getting himself to be the best player he can possibly be is, is almost unparalleled in the league. But I don't know if that leads to being able to, you know, point the finger and have some hard conversations in the room when the coaches aren't there. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure there are guys who speak up and they've got some vocal guys, but I think also that's where you miss, you know, when Casey Sezikis is out for a, a couple of weeks, he's a guy who's become more of a vocal leader and certainly the way that he plays, he he's earned the right to speak uh, because of you know, he plays hard. Johnny Boychuk is a guy who always plays hard and, and is listened to. And when you miss those guys in the room, um, you know, I don't think Adam Pellick is going to is going to rally the troops. Right. Nice a guy as he is. And yeah. uh, and certainly Nick Letty is not that way. He's a right. very quiet guy. So low, low so I think yeah. <laughs> I think there's yeah, for sure. So I think there's a there's definitely an aspect of, you know, coaches in the NHL and in pro sports in general today understand that the room belongs to the players and that they're the ones that have to get out of it and yelling at them and yelling at them. The yelling at them is going to just become noise after a while. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I am curious to see, and I, and I think uh, I think some of the coaches are curious to see who is going to be that guy to kind of step forward and say, mm. we need to knock this nonsense off. Like this is, this is a 20 game stretch of, it's it's just un, unparalleled, really, in the last couple of decades. Like, the number of goals that they give up between scoring and giving up, I don't think there's a team that they're close to seven per game. Right. I don't think a team has given up seven goals per game since the, you know, mid-90s. <laughs> and uh, and the shots against are also, you know, you do a quick search on NHL.com, I don't think anybody's given up 36 shots a game in about 20 years either. So yeah. it's uh, we're in record territory. And, and saying all that, it's still amazing that they're in contention, which either says that everybody else sucks or they have some good things. So maybe we'll talk about the good things now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I <laughs> want to talk. Uh, yeah, I, no, I wanted to. Uh, you mentioned uh, Johnny Boychuk, and I want to get to what Mike was talking about before. You had this tweet uh, a couple of days ago. Wait, said uh, this is after they won. They beat Columbus. He said, "I love it because I can hear bloggers talking about how I use excuses of injuries." Uh, so very, very odd English, by the way, when he, yes, yes. The, the way he said that you could just tell he was like, he wanted to say something and, and it hadn't formulated yet. And he, yes. and then he caught himself. He was probably going to say something maybe a little right. offensive uh, and <laughs> patched up the second half of the sentence. Yeah. He caught himself a little bit. So, uh, so first of all, you are now one of us, I guess, Art, so as an online writer, um, you know, welcome to the basement. Yeah, I guess that's so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I thought that's why the heater was on earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah, so, uh, you were really welcoming me to the basement. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess my my two questions are: number one, does Doug read lighthouse hockey? And two, um, in the serious question is: is he like he seems pretty clued in? And I just don't know like where he he goes from here. Uh, you know, like you said, once the yelling doesn't work, I don't know what, what else is there to do. It's just, you know, he seems pretty clued in and he says a lot of stuff that I want to hear. Last year, he was, when they were winning, he was saying, you know, I don't know if I really like this. Maybe I'll stick around. I don't know. I'm just kind of trying it out. And obviously he's stuck on. It, he's not having like a change of heart. Are you, do you think, or is he like maybe thinking eh, I made the wrong decision here? I don't know. No, no, he's, I mean, he's got certain certain parts that are definitely calculating, but, but yeah, I think that, that part was honest, you know, when talking to him, when he took the job, he, uh, you know, he, he talked to a lot of people, uh, friends of his around the league. And obviously there's a lot of big names because he had a big name career and played with a lot of big name guys. 
uh, whether it was with, you know, World Cup USA or, you know, all the various stops that he made. Um, so I think when you, when you call Billy Garen and Brian Leach or, you know, those are, they're probably good friends of his to talk to, not just like, hey, you know, like name dropping. Um, but yeah, I think he was a bit conflicted. I mean, he's, he's, you're choosing a path, uh, when you accept this job. And certainly he did well enough to, to keep doing it. But he was also, you know, a personnel guy and he still is, is one of Garth's right hand men. And, um, you know, I think doing both of those jobs is difficult. And I think he wondered whether the commitment could be there and maybe he still wonders it you know he's he's got uh, a son who's a high level youth hockey player who's uh, you know going to college in a couple of years or going to the US could go to the US development program that that takes time away and um you know I think you just have to you have to be that guy who's who's all in and and I think you can see from the intensity and he and I have sparred plenty I it it you know, as a personal aside, it cracks me up when I get accused of not asking hard enough questions. And then really, I turn right around and get yelled at by him in a press conference. So <laughs> it's nice to be it's nice to be pushed and pulled that way. But yeah. but he's intense. And I think he doesn't he doesn't want to hide it. And I think the same intensity that he brought to a very long NHL career and made him successful there is uh, is what he's bringing to the table. And, and I, you know, and we're on the road and uh, you know, the access is a little bit, is a little bit, uh, more lax or I'm standing there waiting for Shannon Hogan is waiting for him to come out. And after a bad loss, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't want to come out and talk. He just, mm-hmm. he just wants to fume. And, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not something I'm used to seeing. Obviously Jack <laughs> right. for all of his, for all of his flaws, Jack was as professional as they come. He could, he could definitely keep that, the anger hidden and give his, his answers that were very cliched and very hackneyed, but he, you know, he's, he, you know, there's a certain professionalism in that to be able to, to have coached some of the games that he coached and not lose his mind. Yeah. And Doug is just, it's just worse at hiding it. And it's great from our perspective. And I think it's great from the fans perspective to see someone wrestling with, uh, you know, being as honest as he can be without pissing people off or, or upsetting his bosses or, making his players feel worse about themselves. And, and, uh, and I think it's, I think it's welcome. You know, I, it's, it's certainly acceptable and I'll, I'll withstand a few chirps from the podium to <laughs> some, some, so that we can keep going eyes coming from some, some stink eye or whatever coming from the podium. So. <laughs> well, I, the way I like to think of it is he's, you know, Stan is a senior citizen. Nobody's yeah. going to yell at him. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get it all and that's yeah. fine by me. Uh, you, you and Compton, I would assume, get, get uh, one more and then we'll get to the good stuff. So you tweeted a little while ago. You spoke with Garth and uh, uh, Scott Mayfield is not out for the year, which I guess is a good sign um, as because he got hurt in that last game last night. I didn't see it. I missed the first period, but uh, but he got hurt. Um, so I guess with the trade deadline, it's three weeks away. It's February 26th. Um, you, you know, Darren Drager was on whatever radio today, and he was saying that he expects Garth Snow to be aggressive. And I feel like saying mm, it's not June, so I don't see where the aggressive Garth is going to come from because that's when he gets aggressive, as opposed to during the season. Um, are we looking at actual changes, like you know, trades, or like you said? And I, and I want to say I agree with you that there's a lot of changes that need to be made to this team that trades probably won't necessarily fix. But that being said, looking forward to the trade deadline. Um, do you see trades and moves being made or are we looking at a kind of situation where 
Boychuk comes back. Uh, Dehan probably not. Nikolai Kuhlman may be back soon. We'll see. He's been skating for a while. Uh, maybe we get good news on Mayfield. And those are sort of like your trade deadline acquisitions. Yeah, you know, the trade, you know, the the business that we're in, and the business certainly that the 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 you know the Giants and our business Dreger, Elliot Friedman, Bob McKenzie, the business that they're in is Sarah Sandy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Big, sure. The big the big mockers really in yeah. the uh, trade deadline news breaking world um you know it's it's our job to talk about players who might be traded or you know what the interest level is of the teams that that we cover um and even if there's not a lot going on it's still it's still a lot of attention and i don't i just get the sense uh and i always get the sense from garth and even in talking to him as briefly as i do mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, they're even with two firsts and two seconds and all of the other attendant um, importance that's that's been placed on this year with Tavares and the arena and all the other stuff. Um, I, I don't think he's really interested in, in trading picks for rentals, which are the main people that are available. And if there's what they call the hockey trade, which is just a guy with more than the rest of this year left on his contract. I assume if there's one of those available that makes sense, they'll try to do it. But I think when you look at the guys with term left that are that are being thrown around, Max Pacioretty, do the Islanders need Max Pacioretty right now? Probably not. Mm. Uh, if you're listing needs, uh, Eric Carlson doesn't seem to be available, and I don't really even know that two firsts and two seconds and whatever else the Islanders have in their cupboard would be enough to get him. Right. Um, and really, the only other team that's made a declaration that they're selling guys with term is the Rangers and the Rangers are not going to trade Ryan McDonough to the Islanders for anything less than a huge haul right. plus a bit more on top of that than they would ask for from the, San Jose or Nashville or whoever else and that's we had the reality the, uh, of the Yuri Niemi right was that that would right. that was yeah. that was the famous last trade between the two teams exactly <laughs> what about what about so that's the level I think that's the level <laughs> well you know I I uh I think Grabner would make sense. Mm. He kills penalties. Their penalty kill stinks. He's a good third-line winger who right. does well in limited minutes. They have none of that right now. <laughs> um, and he's a he'd be a welcome, you know, sure. guy that to return. So, um, but I think the demand for him is going to be pretty high. Yeah. He's got such a small contract that teams could add him quite easily mm. and then add something else. So I I would imagine that he's probably going to get them a first round pick, maybe a late first round pick. But are the Islanders, as we sit right now, in a position to give away either of those first round picks? They could both be lottery picks. Right. And if they trade one of those picks, whether it's theirs or Calgary's, and that's the pick that ends up going to the lottery and they get whoever, (laughs) whether it's Grabner or somebody else, can you imagine if they give the lottery winning pick to the Rangers for Michael Grabner. Like that's it. <laughs> and then he, oh, and then he, every, I, 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 of course yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. And then, he, and then he signs with them again on July, in July. Right. And then no, he goes yeah. back to the Rangers after the honors <laughs> missed the playoff. And then yeah. Tavares so, signs with them too. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think I, not that you have to play out those kinds of scenarios, right? but I, but I get the sense that, you know, this is not a year to be trading your best assets for rentals when, the future of the franchise, you know, we uh, this Tavares stuff is obviously weighs heavily, and the fans see it as a very short term thing. Right. But I, Garth Snow has to see it as a long term thing because if the guy wants to sign here when the season's over, he's going to look at the at the team and say, "Well, we didn't, you know, they traded both first round picks and we didn't make the playoffs. I don't want to stay here. We got no future." Yeah. yeah. So it's a 
it would obviously be a lot better if they were 10 to 20 points higher in the standings and they could feel a little bit better about sure. trading a couple of assets for yeah. some short-term guys because then you're making a push to try to win a Stanley Cup instead of just a push to finish in the first or second wild card and get drummed out by the Capitals of Lightning again. Right. So. And, and- yeah, and it's funny too because like the Flames are almost in the same exact spot where the Islanders are, where they lose two games in a row, suddenly they're not in the playoff picture anymore. And meanwhile, you know, they win two games in a row and they're like in second place in their division. So yeah, it's gonna just keep going back and forth like that until the end, I guess. Uh which kinda sucks. Uh, uh, just what well, I have one thing about the Tavares situation, um that I think I probably have made up in my own head. But you you always talk about him, you know, being so keyed in and, and um you know, kind of knowledgeable on, as a, you know, with the players association and stuff. And he's someone in my mind who I think, and I've said it before on here, like, I think he'd be fine as like a player coach. I know they would never do, but, but, or like even as a player GM and not, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just saying that I think he's a guy that c- can look around the room and be, be like, I'm pretty sure that we've had chances to upgrade, you know, throughout the season. And, and, you know, I'm sure he loves going to war with the guys that he's got in, in the room, but I'm pretty sure, like, I feel like, Key is someone who's who's smart enough and keyed in enough who can probably read, you know, you know, reads n- not Twitter, but or we'll see like the waiver wire coming through and saying like, you know, these are probably a couple missed opportunities that the team should have gotten better at. And I don't know if that's something that will that will go into his decision. But it honestly, like kind of just it concerns me that this is a season that they could have whether they could have, you know, won the division or whatever. No, but they could definitely with a couple of, you know, moves and just tweaks here or there have been better. And, and that's something that I think he probably would have uh, picked up on and, and kind of concerns me that he, he you know, I'm, I've gone through every scenario and that's one of the ones that I keep replaying in my head that these just be like, damn, this, this, these, this team isn't really going anywhere with, with or without me. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly possible. He's not a he's he's not a dumb guy, and he's certainly like you said he's he's very aware of the league and his place in it and the team's place in it. Um, I guess I would the only thing I would counter with, just from mm, talking to friends of his and guys that he's played with who know him pretty well, um, I think there's also the the factor of of him. He loves proving people wrong. You know, he's a guy. Who, Is that why they all wear those shirts? <laughs> exactly. He, uh, you know, he's a good, whatever he came up, uh, you know, as with the spotlight on him in junior and, and, um, you know, I think felt a little, a little hardened by his experience, uh, as a, as an underager in, in Canadian junior hockey and, um, you know, took all the things that people said about him. Well, you know, he can't skate or he doesn't do this. And it's just, you know, like tried to check off the boxes and, and prove people wrong. And I think, Part of proving people wrong is also saying, you know, when everyone says, oh, come to Toronto, come to Montreal, why don't you, you know, it's be so much better here. I think part of that is him saying, this is my team. They drafted me. They made me captain. And I want to be the guy to, to bring the glory back. I think that when he says that, he's not just blowing smoke. And, uh, you know, I think when he says stuff like, it's great that we're going back to play some games at the Coliseum, I'm truly surprised that John Ledecky didn't immediately come right out and say, we're playing all our games at the Coliseum for the next three years. <laughs> Just to make this guy happy, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't discount the idea that there are going to be more games than they've said there as the deal gets finalized, because John Tavares and his fellow players, who all live five to ten minutes from the Coliseum, would be much happier playing at the Coliseum than at Barclays, even if the team loses millions of dollars in the next three years <laughs> doing that. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think you can read the tea leaves as well as you can, and I really, genuinely believe that 
only he knows what he's going to do. And he may not even know right now what he's going to do. I think I believe him when he says he's going to wait to the end of the year and see where it is. And, you know, if the Islanders don't make any moves, significant moves by the trade deadline and they miss the playoffs, you know, obviously people are going to freak out and say, clearly he's leaving. They're still going to have the draft or leading up to the draft to move some of those assets, whether it's for a goalie or a defenseman or a goalie and a defenseman. And that's still before he needs to decide. Hmm. So, uh, you know, the end of the season to me is not the end of the line, whether they make it or not. And, and it's, I, Which you is, know. it's strange because, because like this whole time we were thinking, you know, if, if he didn't sign by July, the last July 1st, you yeah. know, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so you, can, now, you can't now, go we, into the season with unsigned John Tavares. That was the whole line. Uh, and here we are <laughs> it's yeah. like 10 months later. So, uh, here's where I ask about the good stuff and, and it's related to Tavares. Uh, so I, I guess we'll count the Coliseum because he seems to really like it. Uh, they got Belmont or at least, you know, the, the agreement to build at Belmont, they still got a lot of hurdles to go and make sure that nobody riots at, uh, after they win a Stanley cup there, <laughs> which is the whole scuttlebutt today. If you don't know what I'm talking about, keep it that way. Um, and you know, the big thing they have is Matthew Barzell. Um, and, and again, to a lesser extent, Beauvillier, Ryan Pollock has been really, really good this season. I don't know if people are even noticing because their defense is kind of a, a disaster. That's all good stuff, like objectively good stuff. And Barzell in particular has just been phenomenal. Um, do you think that – I mean, I guess what you already said, you, you think he'll ride it out to the end. But in in your talking to him and the people around him, is that the kind of stuff that that – does he see that as good stuff that will probably kind of nudge him a little bit more towards resigning, you think? The, the phrase that I hear a lot is he wants to win. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who doesn't? Right. Um, you know, I think and I think repeating that phrase a lot probably makes the nervous Islander fans like <laughs> Mike more nervous because yes. they're not winning and they haven't won really in any meaningful way since the, in the entire time he's been here. Um, you know, I think you have to f- temper that with the idea of can he win with a team and some other team that's going to pay him. A hundred million dollars or, you know, $12 million a year, let's say over seven years or eleven and a half million dollars over seven years or whatever it's going to be. That's going to make him happy. Um, you know, if the only teams that can offer that are Arizona and Buffalo and every other <laughs> crappy team, uh, and Toronto can't do it and LA can't do it. Let's say seems that he might want to go to, hmm. is, is he going to say, Oh, well, no, I do have it much better here. And, and I think that, when, as far as the personnel goes, to me, and this is again through no actual insight, but just sort of <laughs> talking to people and reasoning it out, is there a team that he can go to where he's got a guy like Matthew Barzell as his number two center right. behind him? And I would generally say the answer is no. I mean, I'm not, I haven't scoured Cap Friendly lately to sort of see and read the tea leaves about what's going to happen next year with certain teams, but. Probably not is yeah. is the answer, and I'm sure that's the thing, that's the conclusion he would come to. Also, is that like we've got this great guy who's ridiculously good and incredibly fun to watch, and does things that nobody, almost nobody else in the league can do, and, and seems um, like he wants to win as well. Like he's a very yeah, no, he is a dude, he is yeah. a he is a driven young man. Like he he's been known to. I mean, I I wasn't at the game last night or in the locker room, but if he was in there. There'd be a lot of muttering coming from his stall. He's a guy who, who who wants to succeed, and when he doesn't, can't really figure out how it didn't how it went wrong right. because he knows that he's good enough and he's. It's probably because he didn't have the puck enough. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think that's hard to find and, uh, and you know, they, they have the same agent. Mm. And so I'm sure that they've had some conversations, uh, with that same agent, Mm. um, which also is probably going to help. So, yeah, I, you know, I think we're all just trying to read tea leaves right now, but, but if you look at the, the headline thing, which is he wants to win and then the secondary things, which are, can he, can his big contract Mm. fit in someplace where he could win and could he have, not just a supporting cast because they need to be better in a lot of areas, but like the guy who, who draws good defensemen and good forwards away from him. Is there someone that like that on any of these other teams that can afford to, to sign him? So I think there's, there's still a lot of factors that have yet to be really determined. And obviously it would help if the team were better and they were right. going to make the playoffs and win a round or win two rounds. But failing that, this is the other stuff we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, okay, great. I just, uh, so now, uh, I'll, we'll talk about the athletic a little bit. Uh, I actually really enjoy reading the why I joined the athletic articles, even though I made fun of them in, uh, in a <laughs> recent, uh, post. Um, and I don't want you to give away yours because we're still about a week away from, from it coming out. But, um, I mean, you were at Newsday for 20 years. Uh, this is a huge change. Um, could you give us a little bit of, uh, insight into, uh, what made you, uh, take the plunge? Well, um, you know, it was a, it was a very quick process. I, I certainly was aware of the athletic. Anybody who yeah. cares about hockey and certainly in my position who covers hockey is saw the, the strides that they made. Um, you know, whether it was last year starting the big Toronto bureau and then before the season scooping up people like Mike Russo in Minnesota and Jeremy Rutherford in St. Louis and kind of making that foot of Craig Custance uh, in, mm-hmm. in Detroit getting that foothold in the Midwest. And then, you know, I say like, Oh good. They're going into cities where they're really, you know, one horse towns when it comes to hockey coverage. And that's a good plan. And they're probably not going to come to New York and I'm cool with that. (laughs) And then I get this call pretty much out of the blue. Um, and that says, Hey, we're coming to New York. Like, what do you think? (laughs) And, and, uh, it really forced me in a short space of time to sit down with my wife and, and say, what do we think of this? And, and, uh, you know, it was a funny back and forth. I was, I was emailing with, um, Paul Fichtenbaum, who's the editor in chief, uh, as I was making my way to Winnipeg where it was about 50 below. And I also <laughs> got, got deathly ill with the flu while I was there right after Christmas. So I'm curled up in a ball in this hotel room, you know, basically praying for a meteor to hit me <laughs> and thinking like, what do I want to do with my, with my life? And, uh, and you know, we, I got better and we, we hashed it out and, and, uh, you know, I decided, you know, to talk to my bosses at Newsday and, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't really as difficult a decision as I thought it was going to be. It's, you know, I think, and Dan, you've, you know, you got both of you guys have worked in media yeah. for a long time and you understand the pitfalls of it these days and, and what sort of security you feel and, and, you know, the athletic is subscriber only and there's no ads and how is it going to work? And I've certainly played all those things out in my head, <laughs> but ultimately when it comes down to it, this is a place that seems very serious about what they're doing and has a good template for it and is getting people that are, that are writing good stories. And, uh, it's, I've been on a beat pretty much by myself for a long time covering the Islanders, you know, the, the other papers in the, in New York do cover them, but not nearly as much. Yeah. And, and, uh, and now to feel like, Oh, I've got, you know, the day that we announced, uh, that we were launching Pierre Lebrun had a, you know, 
had a story from Garth Snow that said they weren't training John Tavares. And somebody, I think, on Twitter said, like, oh, he's stealing your thunder. I was like, you're kidding? This is my teammate now. This is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, I think, and I think for Islander fans, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. now this team that everybody feels has been chronically ignored for so many years has Newsday still going to cover them, home and away. We're going to cover them, you know, maybe not as much on the road, but certainly as comprehensively as I've always done. Mm-hmm. And you've got national people like Custance and LeBron reporting news, and we're all going to work together. And it's, you know, this is a team of people covering your team. That's yeah. got to be a good thing for fans. And I think that's another big plus and another reason why it wasn't that difficult a decision to sign on. When, when you announced, uh, well, when they, I guess when they announced uh, the Athletic New York on Monday, Justin Bourne was like, oh, hey, great, I can write about the Islanders again. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you definitely should because he's, uh, he's excellent. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's. I've been a subscriber since Custance and Corey Pronman joined. I was a subscriber to ESPN Insider. And uh, once they, my ex, my uh, subscription to that was coming uh, coming up to an end, and they left to join this athletic, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my money and I'm going to put it into this because they're like you said, they were snatching up all these guys, and uh, it's been great. I mean, it's uh, the the coverage is really great. It's super in depth and. It's super like, um, you know, Tyler Dello is one guy who writes for them and he writes these stats articles that are just so, so minute <laughs> and, and they just sometimes it's going to be a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, you don't get that kind of stuff really anywhere. And, uh, you know, you take that plus, you know, getting people like yourself that are in the locker room and have been on the beat for 20 years and have that knowledge on top of this sort of analytical, insightful knowledge. It, it's really a cool combination uh, I read Mark Kerrig's uh, Why I Joined the Athletic, and uh, he was saying that um, he liked that he didn't have to like he wasn't sort of beholden to the deadlines anymore. Like you got to have a recap, and you got to have you know the the, the post gamer, and you got to have this, and you got to have that. Um, again, without spoiling too much, could, could you give us a little bit of a preview as to like what kind of stuff you have coming up on the horizon? You, you kind of teased them a little bit before, but uh, you know what <laughs> to expect a little bit. You know, I it, it's definitely forced me you know it's an odd situation when i was i had about when i finished uh which was the game in vegas that was my last day for newsday and then i you know flew home on the day after that and i had about a week until we started up with the athletic and really you know now i'm on the clock but with re- with no place to write anything right now so it's it forces you to think about uh forces me to think about a job i've done uh very you know routinely not you know i maybe I don't mean routinely um but just you know it, it has a real rhythm yeah, to it say, you and you get going, yeah. <laughs> you have it you get used to it uh oh for a very long time and so now it's it's you know i'm thinking like oh i've got to try to do things a little differently it's not just to get eyeballs and people to sign up but also you know to think about what's what's going to be compelling and not just say all right i've got this space to fill today and uh you know my kid is sick and uh i don't want to i don't want to go to the airport and go to you know denver today and and you know it's it's those kinds of things that uh it's still a great job and it's super fun and um but you know it's life and uh you say all right well i still gotta fill this space i think you know this this uh this job is going to be more about uh finding different ways to to tell a daily story on a hockey beat and uh you know whether it means if it means spending an extra 20 minutes in the locker room chasing somebody down who went to the cold tub quickly and on a normal night i'd say yeah i can't i can't stick around and try to find that guy uh or you know having things that i've talked to people about uh two days before uh 
and then say, oh, I can tie that into this game, and that's going to be my story for tonight, and there'll be some some other observations about the game, but really the observations about the game are usually the main thing, and this is this is going to be something different, and whether it's you know, uh, another John, you know, thinking about another way to talk about what John Tavares is going through without asking him and getting him to talk, you know, hearing him say, I'm focused on the season. Yeah. It's, you know, um, I, I say, basically I say it, there's no have tos, mm. you know, there's a lot of have tos when you're, when you're a newspaper beat reporter and, the, and those are good and those are tried and true. And the deadline thing, it's worked in newspapers for a long time and I embraced it fully. And now I'm trying to embrace uh, another way of doing things with with less deadline pressure and more creativity and talking to different people and talking to the same people that I've talked to for a long time, but maybe in a different way and asking different questions and not feeling uh, quite as rushed, I guess. And that's, you know, I I valued my time at Newsday immensely and so many editors who made my stuff way, way better than it should have been and people who are willing to work with my uh, aggravated Person, you know, aggravated personality or short temperedness or all the other stuff that happens when you're flying all around and, and covering a team and, and getting grief from people on Twitter that you've never met. Um, so I, you know, I, I loved it and I'm going to love this too because it's, uh, you know, at, at my advanced age and in, in my mid forties, I'm, I'm happy to kind of have my brain simulated in a different way. And I think it's going to, it's going to come out and without, giving too much away about what's going to come on Monday, just the first few things out of the gate. Uh, you know, as I've spent weeks thinking about them and now, uh, a couple of weeks reporting them and, uh, and just trying to, uh, trying to look at this team, uh, in a little different way. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of think like, Oh, you know, Monday's going to be a, a, a big, big deal. And there's going to be lots of stuff and people are going to be really excited. It's like, but we've got a lot of days after that that I'm going to have to, <laughs> that I'm going to have to do it all over again. And it's not, uh, it's not, you know, rolling a ball up a hill every day. I think it's going to be fun. That's cool. Wow. We're looking forward to it. I, and to be honest, when you, when you first announced it, I was terrified that you were going to go back to the Giants beat, which was your first, <laughs> just before Island. I was like, Oh no, we're going to lose them. But we're happy that you're still on the Islanders. If if you want to sell subscriptions, uh, just just tease that you're going to put how long Gar Snow's contract in is in, in the, at the end of your, your why I joined the athletic piece. Yeah. That'll be that'll be my investigative piece. I'll just try to you know take pictures, surreptitious pictures of the contracts of various Islanders employees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that would be nice. And I, and I, this is completely left field. But uh, why the hell was Milan Urchina at the game the other night? <laughs> uh, well, when I like to my favorite moment of covering Milan Urchina, which I think we probably spoke on the record twice in the whatever three years he was here that I was covering him. Um, usually our interactions were he sat very close to the entrance uh, to the old Islanders locker room at the Coliseum and you'd walk in after a morning skate or after a practice. And uh, obviously his nickname is juice uh, because that's, you know, that's what you get in hockey. Um, and, uh, I believe one day I saw, I saw him and he said, Hey, what's up? And I was like, juice, what's going on? And he just smiled and said, just chilling. <laughs> and, uh, to hear a Slovakian guy say that was uh, always stuck with me. And I cracked up and he cracked up. And now when I saw him, uh, the other night, which I did like a triple take cause he was just sitting in the press room. Uh, yeah, he lives in Slovakia and, uh, I don't know if he coaches over there or still, you know, I think he still 
people played until fairly recently. Um, he's just was came over for a week to visit and decided to come to a game. Had no idea that there was like an alumni suite that he would be welcomed <laughs> back with open arms if he had just announced his arrival. He happened to be there the same night that they had Mark Streit right. there, who was who was in the owner's box and was on with Shannon. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, uh, Mark is here. He's like, really? He's like, where is he? I was like, he's like with the owners. He's like, oh, he's like, I should have done that. And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, well, they won. They don't ever lose when Juice is in the building. I was so. That's say. right. They'd yeah. lost a lot when he, when he was on the ice, but not uh, not in the <laughs> building. I, I did I did say on Twitter and I did joke to him that he should have brought his skates. And yeah. uh, after the game, I saw him. He was waiting to go talk to a few of the staffers and, and to see Garth. And he like smacked me on the arm. He's like, Pretty good, huh? And I was like, "Yeah, right." That was the, Colum- <laughs> that was the Columbus game, but uh, uh, but uh, I think I think that just highlights that uh, Milan has not seen a lot of Islander games this yeah. year. So, uh, longtime readers of Lighthouse Hockey will remember the legendary Yurchina anomaly, where they just every time he was in the lineup, they won, and it was the strangest thing. And they didn't win a lot back then, which made it just <laughs> highlighted more that why this yeah, one I mean- guy. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was something back then. I I, I still don't know how it happened. Can't. Expect explain it but i'm glad it happened <laughs> and, it was uh, weird that that he played with mark eaton and then mark eaton when he went to the penguins yeah. the penguins went like 19 and 0 with him in the lineup in that <laughs> stanley cup year so it was the two of them had this magic this magic touch and uh <laughs> yeah. the islanders could definitely use it mark eaton's greatest moment was that game in ottawa the overtime winner i'll never forget it even he didn't expect to score that one. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, Art, for coming on. We went a little bit long, but uh, thank you so much. We, we always appreciate your insight. Uh, you are a very brave man, and you told people to come see you on Friday at the game when the Red Wings are in town. Uh, I hope that goes well. <laughs> I hope uh, you have some great interactions, but uh, people should uh, come by and, and talk with you. You always got some great stuff, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Well, it's always a pleasure, and uh, I assume that the athletic will not pre- prevent me from coming back to no. the, the Islanders Anxiety podcast in the future, and no. we'll see what uh, what happens. Maybe we'll do one another one after the site's been up for a little while to yeah. to remind people that uh, of all this good stuff that's happening. So, oh, did, I actually had one more. Did, did the, what oh. did the team say when when you told? I mean, did they have any? I mean, did, did, were they like, oh, "Who are you again?" Like, did they just <laughs> try to deny your press credential or what? Uh, Garth did. You know, I, I expected, but, uh, he, well, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I ran into Malkin and Ledecky, uh, on also on Saturday and, uh, you know, I I don't, I don't really talk to Scott Malkin very much. He, he does stay very quiet behind the scenes, but he said, Oh, congratulations on your new job. And I said, well, um, it's, it's congratulations to you because now you're going to have two outlets covering you full time. (laughs) And, And that's, that hasn't happened since, you know. God knows right. when. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I don't think he'd thought about it quite in that way, but he was, he was certainly enthused. And <laughs> I think in general, the people that I deal with, with the Islanders, uh, are, are happy that they get more coverage and, uh, more perspectives. And, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't envision being, uh, despite, despite the, uh, the begging of some, some angrier fans online, I don't think I'm going to suddenly turn into some, into some, uh, crazy lunatic who says everyone sucks all the time because I don't know if that <laughs> brings in the subscribers if you get 1500 words of this guy sucks and that guy sucks but yeah. um, but I think even even from the perspective that I'm trying to come at I think uh, I think people will appreciate it it's just it's just more more words and and more 
you know, more analysis of your favorite team. And that, uh, that's gotta be good for everybody. And I think the Islanders will be my, appreciative. My, fav- my favorite team is not the Islanders. They're my uh, least favorite team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're our favorite, I, least favorite team. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you again. And we're, we're really looking forward to it. I can't wait. Uh, February 12th is going to be the, your first official post and we'll be on lookout for that. Thanks again for coming on. And we definitely will talk to you again. At some point, hopefully when John Tavares signs a nice, big, fat, long contract uh, extension. All right. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Take care. Have a good one, Arthur. Just um, just real quick. We've been going on for a while, but uh, I just want to look at the uh, the upcoming schedule. Um, so I almost hate to say this because I feel like whenever we do say this, bad stuff happens. But they have a slate of very winnable games coming up, and it both excites and terrifies me. Because uh, they could lose them and the season could go down the toilet or they could win them and be in second place by uh, this time next week. Um, Buffalo, Detroit at home, Calgary at home on a Sunday night. When was the last time they played a Sunday night game? Uh, Columbus again on Tuesday night and then back-to-back Rangers and then they're in Carolina. Um, I don't know. What do you think? you think they can – how many – that's that's 10 points right there. Uh what would be acceptable? All 10, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to get eight, right? You yeah. got to say, because listen, they're not going to beat the Hurricanes, so you got to win the other ones. <laughs> That's, or, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, at this point, like, hopefully the team realizes that too. I, I know they like to say they take it one game at a time, but, you know, hopefully that these guys got a dossier that said, hey, look at who we're playing these next, you know, week and this next week and a half. Uh, yeah. These are, these, this is where we got to, this is like the perfect time. Somehow we're still in this thing by the, the grace of Matt Barzal and uh, <laughs> just get the points, you know, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we say that and, and, you know, the next time we meet, they, they'll probably collect like three out of the I 10. Know. So I hate doing these, you know, um, but um, yeah, you know, and, and the other thing too, is they have a really weird schedule on that. They have a bunch of back to backs, but then they have a bunch of days off. So they have, they have the back to backs against Carolina and the Rangers. Then they play Minnesota two days later. Uh, and then they have two days off, and then they're in Toronto, the day off they're in Jersey. Then they have three days off, which is essentially the trade deadline, uh, and then they play the Habs. So it's a very odd schedule that has, like, short bursts of games and then a couple of days off. So I wonder how that's going to work out, too. Um, I would think, again, this week, I mean, with Buffalo and Detroit right now, your next two games, I mean, I'm sorry, but and I hate to say this, uh, Mike Carver and Brian Compton say this way better on the ILC podcast, so I'm going to try and uh, I won't do them justice, but you got to win those two games. I'm sorry, you got to you got to beat the Sabers and you got to beat Detroit. Um, you know, you got a Western Conference team coming into your home on a Sunday night, you got to beat them. You know, Columbus, you know that's a tough one. Uh, you got one over on them already, which is great. Uh, I don't know if it'll work uh, if it, if you can do it again. Uh, it'd be really good, but well, I don't know. It's going to be, that's going to be a tough one. They're going to be probably pissed off Rangers at home. You got to beat them. And then, like you said, Carolina, that's a tough one. <laughs> the hurricanes, they, uh, they always get over on the Islanders, but, uh, you know, th- th- by then they might be one point behind the Islanders. They might be ahead of the Islanders. They might be right behind the Islanders. So that's a, that's a game you have to win. I'm sorry. You just have to, you can't let a division game against a team that's right behind you in the standings. Uh, go like that. So these are all opportunities that the Islanders can take. And like we talked about with Arthur, they I, I'm convinced that they know the situation. Like they recognize they're giving up too many chances. They're not playing a way that they need to play. 
and they are still in this thing, like you said, and they can take it. They just have to. So they have to sort of take all that big talk and actualize it into actual wins. And, uh, and you know, maybe maybe a week from now, they're eight points up in the division and halfway towards first place. So, Yeah, I think uh, it's just just like continuing on that. The fact that the, the biggest thing for the Islanders right now, the, the biggest success they've had this season is, is that they somehow collected those, uh, you know, they, they, they avoided the, you know, the usual like November swoon and stuff. And, and yeah. the, the way they played didn't catch up to them until, you know, December. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, like if they, this, this kind of slate of games is, is so winnable. They could honestly be in second place in this division somehow. If the but, devil's uh, score yeah. holds, uh, yeah, there'll be four points behind second place in the division, which is, unbelievable i mean considering how how bad december was but yeah you know i'm not telling anybody anything they don't already know like you just got to win these games uh okay real quick uh i got a review here from january 19th so i'll read this and then we'll we'll sign off um five star review here uh on itunes from ari rosenbaum and uh, you'll appreciate this he writes this podcast is number one mike and dan (laughs) are (laughs) that's i swear to god it says right here this podcast is number one. Mike and Dan are low blood pressure medicine that Isles Twitter needs. Oh, there you go. Uh, they put a voice to the problems that drive us mad on a daily basis and are always upbeat and funny, no matter how dark the clouds may be. Well, thank you very much. We try. If you're unfortunate enough to be an Isles fan, you owe it to yourself to listen. Well, that is high praise indeed. Yeah. So thank you very much, Ari. We really and appreciate it. And it's a great it. way to look at being an Islander fan, too. <laughs> if you are unfortunate you know? enough to be one of us, <laughs> we hope that we can be a little bit funny. And enlighten your day a little bit. And uh, today we enlightened it with Arthur Staple, which is always a great yeah. time. Uh, so we thank him again. Uh, by all means, dude, I'm serious. Like, if you're not already signed up for The Athletic, you really should. Uh, it's great stuff. I'm a subscriber myself. Every single day there's something on there that I read that is great. LeBron is there. Custance. Justin Bourne. I mean, Justin Bourne's worth the price of admission by himself. And now to throw Arthur Staple on top of that, now it's even worth more worth the price of admission. Uh, Dello is great. Uh, and then for outside, you know, you got Kent Wilson who writes for the, about the flames, Jonathan Willis, who writes about uh, the Oilers. These are like super smart, really well-written, really well-read people uh, that want to bring you really great coverage. So it's definitely worth signing up for. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. And uh, uh, it's, it's definitely worth your time, especially if you're, if you're into this team enough to listen to the two of us, just like kibitz <laughs> with each other every two weeks, you're definitely into the, the the NHL enough to to sign up for the Athletic, and you really should. And Arthur just being there just makes it even more worth it. So you definitely should uh, give it a shot and sign up today. They always have deals too, so I mean you can always get the first year. Yeah, I think I think uh, like I'm, I'm not sure. If, don't quote me on this, but I think probably what will happen is Arthur will get a like a link, mm-hmm. and if you want to sign up for it, just wait until he sends his link around i guess is because i think you know that that could be beneficial to him sure. and i might be yeah i might be i might have that wrong but i think that's how it might work yeah it's possible um, uh, yeah because yeah. they're always sending stuff around 40 percent off 30 percent off this week yeah. that kind of stuff so yeah so just click arthur, arthur's link when he when he when he sends it out points it out yeah no, that's a good idea you probably should do it. sort of like an amazon uh, thing i guess but uh it's definitely worth it and you know what you give it a try if you don't like it you could always un- unsubscribe but i'm telling you right now it's it's definitely totally worth it and we're just talking about hockey stuff. I mean, they they got people writing about every sport. So so we'll sign off. Uh, tell everybody your your Twitter handle again. Uh, it's the Big Lebowski two E's. Big Lebowski with two E's. You should follow Mike for all of your uh, up to date Mike Francesa coverage. Uh, it's the best place to get that. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, we thank you very much for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, check out Arthur Staple stuff on the Athletic when it posts on uh, Monday. 
And uh, we will see you probably on the other side of the trade deadline, but uh, we'll see. But uh, we'll probably see you then. All right. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.